Hi, my name's Autumn Stewart, and I've been coming to the Bible Chapel in Robinson for about five years. I'm really grateful for the chapel's commitment to discipleship, myself having um, started in a place where my, my, the foundation for my faith was really, um, had a lot of cracks and a lot of open spaces that needed to be filled in. And having been in that opportunity, having been in that position where somebody took me alongside and led me, and then being able to then turn around and do that for another woman and, and seeing her then go on and, and do that with another woman and it's about the relationship it's not about what you know you love the Lord you have you're you're grounded in your faith you have a foundation for your faith and just come alongside and have that relationship with with another woman or another couple you really have to be vulnerable to be able to to have those meaningful relationships that 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 level of intimacy and vulnerability just um, it's part of what makes those relationships so good when when you have it So I love what Autumn says, that a person took her through a discipleship, Living Grounded, Dee Johnson, and then she took another person through the discipleship, and then that person took another person through the discipleship process. That's the way it works. So there really is nothing that works quite like the church, right? When the church is working right. And Father, we thank you for Autumn's story, and we thank you that that story is echoed in the lives of many. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. We thank you, Father, for today, and we come together in different campuses, but our focus is on you. We come together with different situations. We've gone through some good weeks, some challenging weeks, and we pray, Father, that today you will meet us right where we are. Meet the need of our heart. Meet the longing of our soul. Help us to see you in a fresh way, a new way, and help us to walk out of here with a commitment to up our spiritual game, to be those who demonstrate to a watching world what it really looks like to follow hard after Jesus Christ. We have come together, we have sung together, we've interacted with each other, but now before we look at your word, we want to pray together in Washington and Wilkinsburg, in Robinson, in the South Hills online, we want to pray together as your son, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, this past week, uh, a high-profile college professor or president, rather, the president of the largest Christian college in the United States, stood before uh, his students at uh, their weekly, what they call a convocation. And, And during his comments, he was talking about the attacks that had happened in San Bernardino. And during his comments, 
he told the students that he was carrying a concealed weapon for his protection and for the protection of the students. And went on to challenge the students to take a class that they offer uh, in order to, to gain a license to carry a concealed weapon. Now, as you can imagine, uh, that went viral. Those comments of that college president went viral and were the fodder for uh, cable news discussion from morning to night for several days. I was particularly interested because my daughter goes to that school. Now, I have absolutely no issue at all with the Second Amendment of our Constitution. I am, after all, from Oklahoma, where you grow up with that, right? After we got married, uh, Lori's dad gave us a gift of a shotgun. And I said, hey, man, this is cool. Thanks, thanks. And he said, not for you, it's for Lori. <laughs> so I said, thank you, sir, for the gift. And I don't know what prompted that gift, but I have been on my best behavior for the last 35 years. So I'm all for the Constitution and every amendment to it. However, I wish that college president had not made those comments no issue in protecting yourself and those you love. But sometimes as Christians, and it seems now in our world, we're getting our focus on all the wrong things. You see, Psalm 20 verse 7 puts it very clear, right? Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's primary. And that always has to be primary. Last time we were together, we looked at a passage in Philippians where Paul reminded us to pray. When anxiety comes to pray, rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4, 4 through 6. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do nothing. Um, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, my prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do that, here's the promise, the peace of God, the calmness, the peace of God, will trans which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we said last time that anxiety is the reminder to pray, and that prayer cures anxiety. It gives us that peace that passes understanding. That was something the Philippians needed to hear, but not just the Philippians. The Colossians needed to hear the same thing. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to focus on chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Let me set the context of this book. A man named Epaphras traveled from his hometown in Colossae, 100 miles east, to the town of Ephesus. We don't know if he went there for business reasons. We don't know if he went there to visit his family. Not sure why he was there, but while he was there, he heard this man named the Apostle Paul speak about Jesus Christ. He heard Paul talk about Jesus Christ and why he came and what he did and 
Epaphras trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. He went back to Colossae, and guess what he did? He told everyone he knew about Jesus Christ and how Jesus had transformed his heart and changed his life, how he was a new creature in Christ. And other people started coming to Christ in Colossae, and the church was off and running. Now, fast forward 10 years. The church in Colossae is now a decade old, and it has developed some internal issues. There was one group in the church called Gnostics, from the Greek word gnosis, knowledge. And they adhered to um, a philosophy called Gnosticism. And they believed that you could, you could learn certain things, and you could learn these mystical things, and you, and you could become this enlightened believer, and you could live on this enlightened plane. Not everyone could get there, only certain believers. And they became kind of spiritual snobs. Some of them in the group uh, believed in the deity of Christ. Some didn't. Some said Jesus wasn't human. Others said he was. And even within Gnosticism, there was a lot of debate. But it was going on in the church in Colossae. Another group in the church in Colossae came out of Judaism. And they said, no, it's not about being enlightened. It's about adhering to the Old Testament law. And we've got to continue to celebrate the feasts. And we've got to continue to celebrate, the, to follow the Old Testament law. And we've got to continue to do circumcision. We've got to continue to do all that. And these legalists said, if you really want to be a Christian... Yeah, it's about Christ, but if you really want to take it to the next level, you've got to follow the Old Testament law. And so in the church in Colossae, you had Gnostics and legalists, and they were wreaking havoc in the church. And so Epaphras, who was the founder of the church, traveled to Rome to meet with Paul. Paul, at this time, was under house arrest in Rome. He had a lot of freedom, Paul did, to have visitors come in and out. And Epaphras went to see him. And Epaphras said, Paul, you got to give me some counsel. you got to give us some help. We have these divisions going on in the church wreaking havoc. And so Paul wrote the letter of Colossians to address the issues in the church. We see him right off the bat addressing the Gnostics, these people who don't really understand who Christ is. And in chapter 1, Verses 15 through 20, we get one of the strongest passages about who Jesus is in Scripture. Verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn not meaning he's the firstborn among many others born. That word means he is supreme and he has all authority in heaven and earth for by him and All things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have what? Supremacy. It's about Jesus. It's not about getting your eyes on the things of the world. Paul says, Gnostics and you uh, legalists, it's about Jesus. He's the one who's supreme. And not only does the fullness of God dwell in him, but because you've trusted in him, it now dwells in you. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. 
For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been given the fullness of Christ who is the head over every power and authority. Now Jesus lives in you. And you have this, this power, this authority living in you. And Paul says, because Jesus now lives in you, that changes things. That changes your focus. That changes your life. That changes your direction. Look at chapter 3, verse uh, 1 and uh, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where God uh, set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Make certain, make certain that you are, have your mind focused on the right things. Look at verse 3. Set your uh, mind on things above, your hearts on things above, for you died, your life is over, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Beautiful passage of scripture. Your life is now hidden with Christ. And when you trust in Jesus Christ alone, you are in Christ. You are protected in him. You are nourished by him. He lives in you. You are in him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And we say when you are in Christ, you are safe with two X's, right? You are significant. Nothing can ever change that. Your significance doesn't come from things around you, but because of who you are in Christ. You are secure and will forever be. You are accepted as a child of God. You are forgiven. You are empowered. That's who you are in Christ. When you set your heart on things, you pursue it with everything you are and with everything you have. And when you set your mind on something that controls your thoughts and it controls your desires. And when you do that, when you set your minds on the right things, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, then what's going to happen? The peace of God will rule over your heart. The peace of God will set up its authority in your heart. And the word of Christ will dwell in you richly. Now last time we learned from the letter to the Philippians that we shouldn't be anxious about anything, but we should pray. Well, Paul repeats that in his letter to the Colossians. This time he tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Two critical things here about prayer. First, we all have to come to grips with this truth. Prayer is is simply talking to God. It is, it is not complex. It shouldn't be confusing. Prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. I am convinced that too many Christians overthink and over-spiritualize prayer. I believe too many Christians have substituted prayer with a cleverly worded presentation peppered with Christian cliches. In our, in our performance mentality, we have made prayer to be kind of a verbal parade of spiritual words and phrases. And then when we get done, when we pray in public, what do we do? We wonder if 
our prayer was a good prayer, right? We wonder if we impressed anyone with our prayer. And so our focus is not where it should be. We compare ourselves to those who can what? Really pray. Everyone knows people who can really pray, right? Man, that person, they can really pray. And so I compare myself to that person. And if I can't really pray like that person really prays, then I conclude I must be not a spiritual. I must be kind of a second runger, kind of a B-teamer. And that's just bad theology. And that gives us the spiritual insecurity that affects our personal conversations with God. Because prayer is simply talking to God. And unless we are talking with Him, we can't grow in our walk with Him. If you want to learn to really pray, if you want to learn to really pray, listen to the prayer of a child. They pray without inhibition. They're just talking to their father. It's interesting in Matthew chapter 18, uh, at, the, at that time, uh, the disciples, Matthew writes, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus called over someone who could really pray. Not quite. He said, see that little child over there? And bring that little child to me. He called the little child to him and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. A little child, Jesus says, that's the example. Of childlike faith, childlike prayer. If you want to learn to pray, listen to a child pray. If you want to learn to pray, listen to a brand new believer pray raw and real and uninhibited. Same thing you see in the Psalms. Sometimes you read the Psalms and you say, David, did you, did you really just say that? <laughs> yeah, because David is pouring his heart out to God. Now, certainly there are beautiful prayers in Scripture. And certainly when we pray, we pray with reverence and respect and awe. But remember, prayer is simply talking to the Heavenly Father. One of the best definitions, one of the best descriptions, rather, I have ever seen about prayer was written by a 17th century monk, Frenchman, named Francois Fenelon. And listen to what he says. Listen to this description of prayer. He says, tell God all that is on your heart as one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others. How vanity tempts you to be insincere. How pride disguises you to yourself and others. If you pour out all your weaknesses, needs, and troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. Isn't that true? You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want for subjects of conversation. 
They do not weigh their, their words, for there is nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of their heart, and without consideration, they say what they think. Blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved conversation with God. But that's what prayer is. Tell God everything on your heart. As one would unload its heart, your heart, to a friend. Unreserved, familiar conversation. Paul says, devote yourself to that. Devote yourself to talking with God. Adhere to it, the word means. Persist in it. Busy oneself in it. Engage in it. And for the believer, prayer is not something we just do one time in the day. Prayer like never stops. First Thessalonians says, Paul says, pray continually. Why can you pray continually? Because you are always talking with God. He is always with you. He never leaves you. And you can never leave him. And you can talk to him when it's quiet, or you can talk to him when it's noisy. You can talk to him when you're on the run or when you're sitting still. You, you can talk with him when you're going to sleep or when you're waking up. Prayer is continually talking to the Father. How our lives would change if we really grasp the simplicity yet how profound prayer is. Simply talking with God. Now, it's great to have a time in the morning to do that. That's great. It's great to have your quiet time. My quiet time, uh, after I read scripture, I go run in the mornings. And uh, that's when I pray. That's when I do my my best prayer. So that's my praying time. But here's what happens a lot of time with believers. So, you know, we, uh, we go get up in the morning and we have our time and we read scripture and we close the book and the Bible. And then we... Uh, pray, and we may journal a little bit, and then we close our journal, and then we go on with our day. That's not what a quiet time is about. Quiet time is not to be compartmentalized. We never stop our time with God. We never stop talking to God. And so we should be those who continually are talking to the Father. Devote yourself, Paul says, to prayer. Paul gives us an example, a great example of prayer. Uh, He uses Epaphras to do this. Look at verse 12. By the way, parents, this is a great uh, illustration, a great example of a prayer you can pray for your kids. And we always pray for our kids, right? Keep them safe, help them to make good grades, help them in their sports. Some of our kids are in finals this week at college, help them do well in their finals at school. Those Those are great things. We're talking to God. We're telling God what's on our heart. But there's some deeper stuff than that. And Epaphras uh, helps us understand that. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends, his, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Don't you love that? He is wrestling in prayer. He is talking to God. Conversations going back and forth. Wrestling in prayer. A beautiful description a conversation with God. And he's praying that you may stand firm. Man, that's the prayer we can pray for our kids, right? Stand firm in the faith. In this crazy world we live in with all this stuff coming at our kids and us, we got to stand firm. Stand firm in all the will of God. Sometimes as parents, we got to plan for our kids. We should be praying, God, what is your plan 
for our kids. Pray that they become mature, not just make good grades, but they are growing in their spiritual life, that they're growing in their walk and praying that they are fully assured that they, are, that they live in the freedom of knowing that they are safe and secure and accepted and forgiven and empowered. What a powerful prayer that we can pray for each other, and what a powerful prayer we can pray for our kids. Now, now one more thing about prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. It is a conversation, right? And there are always two parts of a conversation. Speaking and what? Listening. Sometimes we have a conversation with people, but really it's a monologue, right? Have you ever had, have you ever had those conversations? When you got finished, you said, I don't think I said, a th- I don't think I got to say a thing here. That's not a conversation. Conversation is a dialogue. And so not only do we need to be talking to God, but we need to be listening to him as well. Now, I have never heard an audible voice from God. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it's never happened to me. But many times, and many of you believers here would agree, that God speaks within our heart, doesn't he? We know he is telling us to do something. Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's challenge. Sometimes we're reading his word And he says, man, this is just for you today. You need this today. This is comforting. Sometimes we read his word and say, you need this today. You got to get on the ball in this area. You're dropping the ball. But God speaks to our heart. It's always in line with his word. By the way, if God tells you something, it's got to be in line with his word. Or he didn't say it. Because he never contradicts himself. But he reminds us in our spirit how much he loves us, the Spirit, testifies with our spirit, Romans says, that we are children of God. He speaks to us. And so we need to be talking to God, but we also need to be listening. A.W. Tozier uh, was a great pastor in, in Chicago, actually in the, in the 1950s and 60s. And he wrote, uh, he wrote all kinds of great books, but one book he wrote was called, um, is called Pursuit of God. If you've not read that, you need to. Listen to what he says about this aspect of listening to God. He says, it's important that we get still and wait on God, and it is best that we get alone, preferably preferably with our Bibles outspread before us. Then, uh, if we will, we may draw near to God and begin to hear him speak to us in our hearts. Listen to what he says. He says, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book as a record of what God said when he was in the speaking mood. With notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is God's nature to speak. And we want to hear God speak now. We want to hear God speak to our hearts. We want to hear God speak specifically to us. And he has great things to tell us. So prayer is talking to God and listening to God as well. Now, Paul tells us that we need to be devoted to prayer. And in these last verses, he tells us, here are some things to pray about. Look at verse 3. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. 
Paul says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the message of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul is saying here, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. That needs to be on our prayer list. Now, Christmas is a great time to do that, isn't it? Pray for opportunities to share the gospel during Christmas. Here we are in this season of Christ's birth, and we have this this opportunity handed to us as believers to pray, Lord, give me an opportunity today at work. Give me an opportunity today at school to appropriately share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, not just during Christmas, but all the time. Give us an opportunity to share the gospel. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So not only an opportunity to share the gospel, but help me be prepared. Help me be able to share it clearly. I don't, here's one, look, here's one message I don't want to make unclear. Here's one message I don't want to stammer about when I start talking about it. Here's one message I don't want to have the opportunity to share and then really not know which way I'm headed on this one. We need to be clearly, we need to be able to clearly share the message of Jesus Christ. In the New Living Grounded material, we have a whole chapter on how to share the message of Jesus Christ and two different ways to clearly share the message of Christ. We need to have that down. Look at verse 5. Or, yes, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Who are outsiders? Those outside the church. Non-believers. Meaningful relationships with non-believers. Now, let's just, let's just be really honest here, right? I believe God's sovereign. So he's going to bring to himself those he will, but he uses us. And the reality is, there are many not in church today because of some people in church today. The world is listening and looking for a clear message. And it's not a message about concealed weapons. It's a message about Jesus Christ and something that will bring certainty and security in their lives. We have an opportunity right now as a church not to go hide and not to kind of ball up in a corner. This is the time when we should be speaking most clearly about Jesus Christ and who he is. And I'm not talking about on the street corners. I'm talking about at work. And I'm talking about at school. And your place of of influence to appropriately demonstrate to others what a transformed life looks like. What peace really looks like. When we are as anxious about everyone else, they look at us and say, yeah, you may be a Christian, but I didn't do you any a bit of good. What does it look like to live this life of a peace that passes understanding, a peace that rules our hearts? What a tremendous opportunity we have. 
we need to be wise in speaking toward outsiders. And one more thing, look at verse 6. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we need to speak graciously, we need to be prepared, and we need to have seasoned with salt, penetrating conversations. We have a tremendous opportunity, and we need to devote ourselves to prayer in order to be able to have the peace first rule in our hearts and then be able to share that peace with others. So three things as we're wrapping up. So many of you know, uh, and many of you get them, we write a daily devotion. It goes right into your iPhone or, or your uh, smartphone or your computer every morning. Uh, this past year, we've gone through um, uh, the Gospels. And uh, right now, <clears throat> we're going through the Advent season, so some devotions on Advent. My plan for 2016 is in those devotions to focus the beginning of the year on the names of God. We don't trust in horses or chariots, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord our God. And when we start looking at God's name, El Shaddai, the Almighty One, El Roy, the God who sees, we start seeing the character of God. And so we're going to be writing those about God. And I would love, we can't meet personally every morning, but we can meet through technology every morning. And we as a congregation, Washington and Wilkinsburg and Robinson and the South is online. We can meet and we can, we can get our minds filled with the beginning of the day who God is. We're, we're working to, to put these in podcasts so that uh, from your app, uh, the Bible Chapel app, and everyone needs to get a Bible Chapel app. And we'll tell you more how to do that. You can just click on it. And then if you can't read it, you can just use it as a podcast. We want to be able to get our minds. We have a tremendous opportunity to demonstrate to our community what it looks like to be those whose minds are filled with the peace of God. All right, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, that'll start January the 2nd, and we'll get information how to, how to get set up for that. The second thing is, we've got to be grounded. I know many of you at all the campuses are going through Living Grounded, some of you went through the old version of Living Grounded. We're challenging you to go through the new version of Living Grounded. It's different. We believe that now more than ever before, it is time that we understand, we've got to be prepared, right? That we understand who we are in Christ. We embrace the essential truths of the Christian faith. It is essential. We do that. We need to be able to speak clearly. One of our... Um, our philosophy or one of our vision for doing Living Grounded was we believe that at Christians, we need to embrace these truths so that our mind is like kind of like an, um, an archaeologist's sieve, right? You've seen those? Where an archaeologist is on a dig and they pour the dirt through it and then some stuff goes through, but, but some stuff stays there. The important stuff stays there. The big rocks stay there. And we want our minds to be like that archaeologists sieve so that when all this stuff comes at us every day stuff's coming at us we don't want to be distracted by that we want it to go through so we grasp the solid things 
We want to know what's important and what's not. We want to be able to do that. So living ground. Then one more thing. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer. We've got to devote ourselves to prayer. Um, as a leader, I'm committed to do that. 2016. As a church, I don't know exactly what, what that looks like. We have done things like meeting, uh, you know, meeting on a month, first Mondays of the month. And uh, quite honestly, uh, the attendance, uh, you spoke with your feet. <laughs> the attendance said that's not a good time to do that. So we get that. That may not be a good time to do it. We know people are praying all over. We know we pray as a staff. We know the elders spend significant uh, time in prayer when we meet. We know that life groups are praying. We know uh, classes are praying. We get that. But we believe we, we need to crank it up a little bit. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. And so we're thinking about having maybe some places at each campus uh, that you could go any time of the day, and we can have prayer requests up there. We're still talking through this so that you could pray. Now, here in Robinson, uh, Tom has a trailer at the new site. It doesn't have any heat in it, so that's going to be a problem. Uh, so we'll have to figure out something uh, for you guys in Robinson. But places where we have other campuses, uh, maybe we find a place to pray. Just thinking through that, all right? But we've got to devote ourselves to prayer. You guys, are, you guys with me on that? We've got to devote ourselves to prayer. So um, my first job after I graduated from college uh, was teaching and coaching. And uh, I, loved, I loved coaching. I mean, what other job is there where you can, can yell at people and get paid for that, right? <laughs> yell at the referee. You're supposed to do that. Uh, Lori was still finishing up uh, college. We, we were married. She had another year left. And uh, I got to teach and coach in the same little town I grew up in. And I played, it was, I went to a little school, so I played all sports, but I got to, co- I was assistant coach in basketball, and it was fun. Uh, our locker room was like right here, and then there was a ramp that went up to the court, and we had this little, little gym, John Divine Hall, and uh, man, it was loud in there, and the band was playing when the band played, and people were yelling, and I mean, as a player in high school, I went out so cool. You couldn't hear the ball when you dribbled on the ground. It was just, that's just cool. So now I'm a coach and I'm in that same little ramp getting ready to go on the court out on, on to, uh, for the game, right? Now I'm coaching, but it's still cool being in that ramp. And I was just out of college. Lori and I were just, uh, we're just married. We're trying to, trying to figure out what to do. Headed to seminary. Still trying to keep my head on straight. And the athletic director was a guy named Fayodell. He was an ex-Marine, an ex-boxer. He was a tough guy, but he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. And I'll never forget, standing on that ramp, couldn't hear a thing, deafening. And he came up, and he yelled in my ear, don't forget. Matthew 6, 33. Don't forget Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33 is found in that passage of Scripture we looked at last time in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, don't worry about this stuff. I've got you covered. I've got you back. And then in Matthew 6, 33, seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things 
will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, the place where Jesus has authority. Seek first his righteousness. Follow him. Obey him. Then all these other things we worry about, all these other distractions, all these other things the world is talking about and fretting up, God's going to take care of all that. Just seek him first. Man, that's got to be our focus, doesn't it? Seeking him first. All these other things, they'll be added to us. Healing will take care of everything else we need. Father, we thank you for that promise. And we pray, Lord, that we would be those who focus on you, derive our peace from you, are devoted to an ongoing conversation with you, the living God. Father, let that be our lives. Let us start that conversation now and not stop it as we communicate with you, our Heavenly Father, who loves us with an eternal, everlasting love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.